All right, Sixers fans, welcome to a new episode of Sixers in Six. It's your quick podcast giving you some updates of what's going on around Philly. Uh, again, if you live under a rock, you know that you should know that Joel Embiid ended up having 59 points, a dominant performance on Sunday night. But a big question mark still for the Sixers. We're back at seven and seven finally now uh, in at 500 in a playing position, although we're still super early on the season. The backup center spot remains a issue. We don't know what the hell Doc Rivers is going to do with it. It's been Paul Reed. It's been Montrez Harrell. But one guy who the Sixers drafted in the second round ended up kind of giving up on him once they signed Harrell in September is Charles Bassey. And Bassey has looked great so far in his time, limited amount of time so far in San Antonio. He's appeared in just four games. The Spurs, of course, are one in three in that, but got an impressive win against Milwaukee on Friday. Uh, Bassey putting up numbers, 6.8 points, eight rebounds per outing, getting a couple blocks as well. He had a short stint in the G League where he was just friggin' dominant, put up 26 points, 12 rebounds in over two games, which prompted the legendary Greg Popovich to be like, what the hell are we doing? Are we dumb? We should be playing <laughs> this guy. So joining me to talk about this. Uh, and getting some insight on what's going on with Bassey with San Antonio. He is a writer and an editor of Pound the Rock, our SB Nation site. Noah Magaro, George Nora. First off, how's everything been going for you? We'll jump into Bassey talk in a second. But the Spurs kind of been this helter skelter team, right? Everybody expected them to be really bad, but they're sitting at six and seven. Uh, as I mentioned, gave Milwaukee its second loss of the season. How has things been going for you over there covering the team in San Antonio? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, the San Antonio Spurs, like you said, everybody thought that they were going to be really bad. I think Vegas gave them like 21 or 22 wins, and they're already like a third of the way there with their schedule. So, you know, I think a lot has been made about, oh, you know, they're better than expected. To be 100% honest with you, I don't really think that's the case. I think they'll eventually kind of regress to the mean. They're one of the worst defenses in the NBA. That Bucks win, not only was Giannis out, Drew, Middle, uh, Drew Holiday was out, Chris Middleton was out, Grayson Allen was out uh, like almost everyone in their starting lineup was out so you know did you expect the Bucks to win with you know no engine of an offense but they've been fun they've been a lot of fun they've been a little better than expected so it's been a joy even though it was supposed to be a rebuilding season so I've really enjoyed watching them play this you know fun brand of basketball this year well, as we were talking a little bit before we started rolling here, and I'm like, look, nobody wants to cover a bad team that is not fun to watch. You know what I mean? I mean, because at that point, you're just like, gee, it's hard to get motivated to cover the team. You're looking for angles on and trying to get through a two and a half hours of slogging through it. But like you mentioned, they have been fun and they got a little bit more fun with Charles Bassey, right? Former Sixer. Uh, again, didn't really get an opportunity to thrive. Doc Rivers known to not really let the younger guys get an opportunity. But as I mentioned off the top, four game sample size, what has he been like for the Spurs so far? And what are your early impressions of the 22-year-old who still obviously has a lot of room to grow as an NBA player? Yeah, Charles Bassey has been really awesome for San Antonio. You know, they signed him like three weeks ago and he spent time with their G League affiliate for that training camp for the Austin Spurs. And it kind of looked like he was the odd man out, right? I mean, it was like two-way contract. If he gets a chance here or there, it's going to be because of injury. Lo and behold, Zach Collins goes down and this guy comes in right away super high effort, you know, running the floor in transition, fighting for extra, you know, opportunities on the glass, um, you know, protecting the rim. So there's really nothing in particular that I go, he's been bad at since he's been here. And one of the things that I found really interesting is Pop came out after the last game and said, you know, he's been aggressive. He's a good defender. He moves well without the ball. And he's done really well for not knowing what the strategy is on either end of the floor. And I'd have to agree, you know, he doesn't necessarily always look like he's privy to what the Spurs want to do, but he's always out there giving hundred percent effort. And I think that's incredibly admirable for someone who like pop said, 
really has no clue what's going on as far as, you know, philosophically how this team wants to run their offense or defense. Yeah, and that, that's the thing, Noah. Like you, you, you look at his, like I said, short stint with with the Sixers. He had moments where he looked really, really good. Especially they were decimated with injuries uh, last year early on, and, and Joel Embiid was out uh, dealing with some COVID stuff. He had some back injuries, but we saw him put up some double doubles. And he every time he came in, it was you noticed him, right? And like you mentioned, whether that's good or bad. He was noticeable in the sense that, hey, this guy is like a human pogo stick. He could jump up and down, very <laughs> athletic. He could block, you know, any shot, uh, rebounding, super active on both ends of the floor. But you look at him now as a project, right? He's four games into his his time with the Spurs. Do you foresee him getting himself into a regular rotation minutes? Or is that something he's still going to have to earn as the season moves on? I think for now, he's going to be pretty safe with getting that, you know, 18 to 20 minutes per night as long as Zach Collins is out. But Zach Collins played so, so well before he went down with that injury. And I kind of feel like if you're pop, plus you're paying Zach Collins more money, you know, he's going to be here probably this season and next season. You're probably going to see Zach Collins slated right back into the lineup in that second unit the second that he's healthy and ready to go. So love Bassey. Been really fun to watch. Great rim protector, really solid screener, has shown some shooty potential as a catch and shoot threat from the outside. But I think it's Zach Collins' job as soon as he gets back. When you when you look at where the Spurs are at in terms of obviously rebuilding, right? Like we we the great a great run from you know 99 till about 2015, 2016. They had those championships, five championships, had Tim Duncan as the you know the centerpiece of all that. And then they had the right players around him with Manu and Tony Parker. And we saw Kawhi Leonard kind of evolve during his time there before he ultimately decided that he wanted out too. <laughs> when you look at, I mean, weird, weird to me though, like to, to see that because the Spurs, again, by the traditional sense, not a huge market in terms of the NBA. We see a lot of guys wanting to go to LA, New York, you know, the, the big squads, Miami, where they have an opportunity to play in these big markets and, and big cities. And so you look at San Antonio where obviously when the Spurs were at their height, people wanted to go there, right? Like LaMarcus Aldridge was a huge free agent at the time you look at at other players who were who have been linked to the spurs throughout you know the last 20 or so years that wanted to were willing to kind of go to a smaller market and play in san antonio when you look at the spurs as a whole do you think the franchise has a capability to get back there and if so i mean you're looking at the Wembenyama sweepstakes like you mentioned if the spurs kind of start falling down and and don't you know lose maybe five six seven in a row a couple of times they'll be right back in the conversation for the number one pick when you look at at san antonio as a franchise where are the spurs at in terms of either looking at becoming this golden franchise again the golden standard in, in the nba especially for the medium to, to small market teams or do you think that it's going to take them a while to kind of get out of this rut that they're going to they're in right now i think everything hinges on who they draft, right? I mean, I love Devin Vassell. I love Keldon Johnson. They're both, both have taken some pretty monumental strides developmentally as scores this season. But you look at what they do. Most of their damage is done off ball. They're not great advantage creators. They're not much, you know, they're not great as self creators either, right? They're not really creating a lot of their own offense. And you need an engine of your offense. I love this motion offense. I love that they're read, react, quick decision making, a lot of passing, a lot of relocating, cutting, but you know, at the end of the day, that can only really take you so far without a superstar. So I feel like they have those pieces, right? They have that infrastructure that if you, you know, just somehow dropped a superstar in San Antonio tomorrow, they'd be a lot better. Obviously, they'd be a team to me that would be competing to advance in the playoffs, but they don't really have that, right? And depending on how well they do or, you know, how poorly they do, 
we could see them drafting a Wimbenyama or a Scoot Henderson or one of the Thompson twins, or we could very well see them at the end of the lottery again, drafting players who you know, are good, but not great. Yeah. And that's, that's the the key I think with in the NBA and, and, and really across a lot of the major sports is you don't want to be stuck in that in between phase where you're drafting between 10 and 13, not really adding. I mean, of course you have, you might, you know, have a diamond in the rough and be able to get a player that makes a huge difference, but likelihood is you want to be either at the top of the draft or in the playoffs. There's no really, there's no, <laughs> there's no in between. I know. Let's just take a short break here. I wanted to jump into some pop talk with you as well. Again, one of the greatest coaches, if not the greatest coach of all time, we'll do that after a short break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back uh, talking with uh, Noah Magaro, George of our SB Nation site. He covers the Spurs for us. Wanted to jump into some Greg Popovich talk, right? You look at the NBA's historical. Obviously, you got Red Auerbach, you got Phil Jackson, uh, Greg Popovich, definitely up there. Sorry, Doc Rivers, you're not going to be mentioned amongst these guys as well. Where you're trying to say, you know, would you ask Pop that question? No, you you don't have that clout, Doc Rivers. But um, when you look at Pop's tenure, right, and you know he jokes around. He's like, hey, I like my paychecks. You know what I mean? He's been around for a while, and as I mentioned. Super well respected by, you know, the the greats of, of the game. You look at guys like LeBron James, um, who, you know, have heaped nothing but praise on Pop, especially for the job that he does, uh, that he did with the Team USA basketball team. You look at him, though, 73 years old, um, accomplished everything any person could possibly want to accomplish in the NBA. How long do you think he's going to stick around in San Antonio? If you had asked me that question a few years ago, I would have said, you know, I think we're in the twilight. I think he's probably done really soon. Right now, I'm not really sure. Uh, I mean, we knew that he had told LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan that, you know, I'm going to stick around as long as y'all are here. I'm going to see your contracts out. Well, they're both gone, and he seems to have really been enjoying himself. And, and one of the things that he's consistently talked about to the media is how much he's enjoyed this teaching process that he didn't really get to do when he had Tim Duncan and Tony and Manu and Bruce Bowen and, you know, a, a bunch of superstars or even, you know, high level veterans who they didn't need a lot of coaching up. They understood what the deal was. And now he has a bunch of young guys. He's enjoying teaching them. He's enjoying watching them develop. And I just don't know. I mean, you mentioned it, right? He's the oldest coach in NBA history. He has been for the last three seasons, but it certainly doesn't feel like he's slowing down. Though he did mention, I will throw this out there real quick, is that he did mention before the season that he's hoping to leave this team in a good position for, you know, whoever's up next on the on the coaching dock. So, you know, take that how you will, but it feels like he's fine to coach for, you know, another couple seasons. Yeah, and then you mentioned, you know, they get a guy like Wembenyama, they get Scoot Henderson. Do you think that entices him to be like, okay, damn, you know what? Maybe I should stick around for another <laughs> five or six years rather than two. Yeah, I think it might. I mean, it just, I think it all depends on how this season goes. I think a lot of it, again, just what happens, where do they draft, who do they pick up? And I think, and we obviously won't spend much time on this at all, but I think it also depends on how the Josh Primo situation ends up sort of sorting itself out. I think that illegal situation like that, depending on what's found out, you know, what comes to light. I think a lot of that will decide, you know, how much he really wants to stick with this team because, you know, if it does end up going the the way that I think a lot of people think it might, 
I think that's exhausting for a guy who's already been around this team for so long and done so much. And I wouldn't, I really wouldn't blame him if he doesn't want to stick around too much longer after that. Yeah. You don't want to, he doesn't want to deal with the drama at this point of his career. Like I mentioned, you know, done everything you possibly could. Uh, one of the greatest of all time, depending on where you, if not the greatest, depending on, on where you look at, cause the coaching stuff, uh, super subjective there. But when you, when you look at possible replacements, right? We saw Becky Hammond. Uh, she's now in Las Vegas, you know, coaching the WNBA. She was a, 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 obviously one of the first women coaches. And you look at pop being ahead of the game and kind of taking an opportunity on that. Is there somebody on the Spurs staff that you think would be next in line if pop decides to go? You know, for a while, I thought it was going to be Ime Udoko or Will Hardy. Uh, obviously, they're not. Let's stay away from that. Spurs. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like they're, like they're not, they're not going to probably be the, the next coach for San Antonio. And I even thought, you know, Becky Hammond, is there a possibility that once her contract's out, maybe pop, you know, it's gone and she goes, you know what? This is my turn. You know, it's my time to take over because she seemed like the logical person. But I look at Mitch Johnson. He's a good assistant. I don't know all that much about him. I don't think he speaks to the medium that much, you know, outside of his stints with the summer league. Same thing for really most of the assistants on that team. If I look at someone who could take over, who seems to have a lot of familiarity with the system, who understands what Pop likes to do, who, you know, if Pop moves to the front office, he can point to this is the guy who I like. Brett Brown, as odd as, as, odd as that may, may sound, Brett Brown may be the guy who ends up being the next head coach. Now, obviously, a lot of things could happen between now and then, but you know, they're good buddies. He's a little younger. So how much longer does he stay if he does become head coach? But I think he's an interesting name that could be in line for that coaching job. Yeah. And obviously the, the Philly connection there too, you know, former coach of the Sixers couldn't really help the team get, get over the hump, getting to that elusive, at least conference finals right now, which uh, I don't think a lot of people in Philly know are too confident. Doc Rivers is the guy, the, the guy to do that <laughs> either, but uh, let's wrap things up there. Noah, I want to, want to thank you for joining me. You do a great job of covering the Spurs for us at SB nation at pounding the rock. So I appreciate you taking the time out to hop on with me, talk a little Spurs, talk a little Charles Bassey. And I'm telling you my opinion, I've said this before last year, Noah, <laughs> I did think that Charles Bassey should be given a chance, maybe not on a playoff team, maybe not on a championship level team, but he's a guy who has the tools has the potential to grow into, at the very least, a serviceable big man, a backup, like a Bismack Biombo type guy who can rim protect, uh, do a lot of good things. So it'll be interesting to see his development there in San Antonio as well. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. All right, that's Noah Magaro George. You can follow him on Twitter at N underscore Magaro. That's M-A-G-A-R-O. You can follow me at JazzKang21. That'll do it for this episode. Uh, Paul and Seamus going to be back with our Philly Sports Podcast on Tuesday. We're also going to be doing a live stream on Wednesday. Uh, the Sixers really have basically the whole week off. Don't play again until Friday. It'll be a tough one against Milwaukee. And, of course, Ben Simmons' return slated to happen next Tuesday. We'll see what goes on with that as well. Don't forget, we're going to have you covered at the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network.